preach on revival today. Now, it wasn't what I planned. I spent about three hours on something else, and God has a wonderful sense of humor. He'll let you study. I, I told uh, Brother Carver, I said, well, maybe that's the way God gets me to study the Bible. I'll study something else for three or four hours, then he'll say, no, that's not it. And, but uh, I do want to talk to you about revival today, and that's what the Lord laid on my heart. Of course, the first revival was on the day of Pentecost. That was the birth of the Spirit of God moving in his church and causing great and wonderful things to happen. 3,000 souls came to Jesus on that very day. Now, I also thought back about the times of revivals that, that I had seen and heard about and talked with people on. I, I had a, a wonderful friend, Brother Roper, not Brother Loper. Brother Loper is my friend, but Brother Roper was his name, and he was a spirit-filled Baptist preacher. And he pastored a church, and he ran revivals during the summer, and he told me in one summer one day, he said, we've had 300 people come to Christ in those revivals. He said, one church I preached in, said one of the deacons got saved. And said, he come up and said, I, I've been a deacon 25 years, and I, I just realized that I've never been saved. And he said, the next night, the preacher's wife got saved. Come up and said practically about the same thing. And uh, he said, but uh, that night the pastor closed the revival on me. And I said, you know why? He said, yeah, he's afraid he's going to get saved. <laughs> but if you're not saved, this is a good time to get saved. Amen. Uh, I remember Brother Roper running the revival and uh, clear for me and we had a, a wonderful member of our church and her, her husband owned uh, Southern Haulers uh, in uh, Calera. And she was a wonderful Christian, but he was a heather. And he was raised in a Pentecostal church. Hello? Belonging to church and being in a church don't make you a Christian, Okay. And uh, I could tell you a lot of things about him, but we were in a tent revival, and he was so mad that his wife was coming every night to that revival that he said, I couldn't mind to get five gallons of gas and just go up there and burn that tent down. Well, see, the devil's going to fight you, but God's going to win because two of his trucks caught on fire that week and burned to the ground and never could figure out why they caught on fire. Amen. He knew because he told his wife, he said, it's that old church up there the reason my truck's caught on fire. <laughs> no, it was you. Amen. Well, I don't want no trucks to catch on fire, but I hope we catch on fire. And I hope we burn, burn for God. And God's a, is a wonderful Savior. And the revival... Revivals have been going on a long time. I, I had an older man, I guess at that time in the 70s, he's about, I guess he was in his 80s. Uh, like, I think he's about 86 or 87 years old. And uh, he was belonged to the Baptist church, and he was talking to me, telling me the revivals they used to have. And I can tell you something we used to have. But he said, you know, it was back in, way back there, and he said that, he said, uh, we'd have such revivals and the spirit moves that, said, that, said some of our members would faint. Talking about falling out under power, okay? And he said, we'd load them up on a, on a wagon. That's what they traveled back then was wagons. He said, we'd load them up on a wagon, we'll stack them, you know, lay them on the wagon. He said, be two or three wagons hauling them home, taking them home. And he said, they'd come back too. And he said, they'd just shout all over that wagon and they never fell off the wagon. Well, I'll tell you something. We might not have no wagons, but I want to see some rejoicing and lifting hands and praising God for what all he's done. We need to, need to come alive. Amen? Amen. I want to talk to you about revival. Psalms 85, 1 through 8 said, The Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land, 
Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all of their sins. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Will thou be angry with us forever? Will thou draw out thy anger to all generations? Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. And I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for this wonderful opportunity to be in your house to serve you and worship you and give you praise and honor. And God, we do ask that you'll move not only in our church, but throughout all churches, Lord, that you'll give us a revival in these last days, Lord, that, that will awaken us, make us realize that the generation that we are in, the last generation, and God, we'll give you praise for what you do, and we give you glory in Christ's name. If there's ever been a generation that God has a reason to be angry at, it's this generation. With all the churches and all the things that God has done, and yet we look at it things and things are going worse and worse. And I'd like to say that it's going worse in the world, but it's also going worse in the church. I want to tell you something. We've just about reached the place where in most churches there is no move of the Spirit of God anymore. We come in a form and a fashion and, and we uh, come more as enduring it instead of enjoying it. I'm not particularly speaking about us, but sometimes we, we get in that phase too. You just want it to be over. I want the preacher to be through by 1130. Well, I can't tell you how when I'll get through today, but but I'm here to tell you that I am excited and I want to see God move in this church. And whether you believe it or not, I want to see him move in all of our churches throughout. I've said many times, we're living in a generation uh, that we don't need to be fighting one another. We need to be holding one another up and holding one another's hand because we're at a place now that we're going to need one another in these last days. If there's ever been a generation, it's us that needs a revival. Men have done their best to corrupt the world and to corrupt the church. Just look around and let's see what's going on in the church today. The only thing we have going for us is the mercies of God. He is a merciful God. I just read to you where he had brought them back. He restored them. But he also prayed that we won't never return to our folly again. The only thing we have going for us is the mercies of God, I said. And, and you know, God spoke to Jonah and told Jonah, said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And we know the story how he didn't go to Nineveh. He went to Tarsus. He went the opposite direction where God told him to go. And God wanted to restore a people, an evil people, an evil nation. Let me tell you something. God still loves the world. He loves every sinner out there. He wants every sinner to be saved. And sometimes we want to isolate ourselves. I believe in separation, but I don't believe in isolation. And there's a big difference. I don't run with them, but I still love them. I still want them to see them to come to God. Can you say amen to that? And Jonah, he didn't want them. He didn't want them to get saved. He thought... Uh, if anybody, uh, uh, if, if God was uh, punishing somebody, it was a blessing to Israel. And let me look, read to you what he said in the very end. He said, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. Why? Because Nineveh repented and turned to God. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarsus, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of evil. 
So this is our God. He's wanting to give us a revival more than we want a revival. Can you say amen to that? God wants to move in our churches throughout the land. And that's what we need today. We need an, just an old-fashioned revival. I know some of you are young and you may not have seen the revivals that some of us older people saw, but God is not dead. He's still alive. God has a desire to move in our church. We just need, first of all, good sin-killing revival. Can you say amen? amen? Come on. We need something to change our life. We need an anointing move of God's spirit in our hearts and our lives to set us on fire for God. One that will cause us to burn out the carnality that's in our lives. You know, sometimes we have carnality in our life and we don't realize it. Then we come to church and we wonder why we're not as spiritual as we should be. I'm going to tell you, we need to get the carnality out of our life and a good revival will do that. We need a revival to not only change our churches, but it'll change our homes and it'll change our community. I'm going to tell you that God's desire in this last day is to move in such a way that thousands, not a few, I heard a report this week that over a hundred Assemblies of God churches in Alabama hasn't seen a soul saved in three years. That's sad. Something's bad wrong when people don't come to God. We need a revival of love also that makes us love our brother as ourselves. Come on. It makes us love our enemies. Man, you're quiet today. Makes us want us to have compassion for all men regardless of the condition they're in. We need a revival of healing. Both body and soul and spirit can be healed. A lot of times we put emphasis on, on healing of the body and that's necessary. And I'm not putting that down. But also we need a healing of our spirit and of our soul. That's more important because this body's going to die anyway. But the soul and the spirit's going to go to be with God somewhere and we're going to give them the count of every deed done in this body That's what the Bible tells us. But thank God there is healing for the body. We need a revival of faith to cause us once again believe what thus saith the Lord, what his, what his word tells us. You know, when we get where we believe what the Lord says, we can also say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We can be overcomers. We need a revival of wholeness. Hello? The Methodist church, when it first began, was a great wholeness church. They separated themselves from the world. The Baptists was that way. The Nazarenes was that way. The Missionary Alliance churches, they were holiness churches. Even the Assemblies of God used to be a holiness church. Hello? We need to learn again how to separate ourselves from this world and dedicate ourselves to our God and live for Him and Him only. I want to tell you, you can't have best of, the both, of both worlds. You're going to have to have one or the other, and the only one that counts is the, is the world of Jesus Christ, living for him. Amen. I should stay here about 15 minutes, but I don't have the time. But the Bible tells us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. All that is the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. I want to tell you, these things bring us down. If I could get the church world to get as excited about an Alabama and an Auburn game. Hello? If I could get the church to get as excited about football, I want to tell you, we would win many souls to Jesus Christ. Come on. I know it's quiet, and I know you don't like it, and I really don't care. I want revival. I want a church that separated itself from this world, that loves God and God alone. Come on. 
I'm not telling you it's wrong to go to a ball game, but I'm telling you it's wrong to put poor emphasis on a ball game or anything else in this world than it does put your emphasis on the things of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God deserves our glory. God deserves our praise. God deserves our honor. Not, a, not this world. This world carries us to hell. Jesus carries us to heaven. That's the biggest difference. A lot of people don't think we can have a revival. We, 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 we fear that things will happen. I've thought a lot about the way God used to move in the church. I'm talking about shouting and singing and praising God. The Spirit of God moving on people to give out messages and tongues and interpretation. Prophecy. Huh? Don't see that very much anymore, do you? Well, I want to tell you something. God's a whole lot more important to get excited over than the things we get excited over these days in which we live. People may not be interested in hearing the word of God. That is true. They don't. The Bible, the Bible tells us that men, this in the last days, they want the ears to be tickled. They want you to say something that makes them feel good. Well, I want to tell you, there's two types of feelings, bad and good. And if you do good, you ought to feel good. But if you do bad, you ought to feel bad. Come on. So it doesn't go on our feelings. Our churches may be lukewarm. But God wants to set them on fire. Can you say amen? amen. Now for my sermon. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. I borrowed this Old Testament scripture because, see, this scripture shows us a situation that seems to be impossible. And if we look at the world today, and especially the world, the church world today, it almost seems impossible to have a Holy Ghost, God's sin revival. We used to, like I said, we used to shout, we used to sing, we used to praise God. I remember one time in Pleasant Grove, I was at a tent meeting there. We used, I thought about us setting up a tent down here on the, prob, on the property. Maybe that'll have more of an effect on us. But I remember sitting up on the stage of that tent. Of course, it didn't have four or five steps down, just had one. And a pot, our God hit me, and I just took off running around that tent. And I'm telling you God's truth. I felt as if I was about this high off the ground. I never felt like I even touched the ground. Well, the same thing happened to Elijah. He outrun the king's Ahab's chariot. You say, well, those things are not necessary. How do you know what's necessary? God's taken the foolish things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. Don't need you. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 10. And the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of a valley which is full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. That sound like some of our churches. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh, Lord God, thou knowest. And again he said to me, Prophesy upon these bones and say to them, O oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God. Under these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover, your, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. First word here is telling us obedience. Do what the Lord said. 
And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, and there was no breath in them. Then said he to, unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, a great and mighty army. I know what this scripture was talking about in the Old Testament. It goes on and tells us that he was going to raise Israel back up. He's going to make Israel a great nation. Several thousand years later, he did. 1947, if I have my day, year right, it might have been 48, it doesn't matter, but in one day, as the Bible had prophesied that Israel would be made a nation, in one day, and that was so, and they're great and they're a mighty nation. And there's going to come a time when all the nations are going to come against Israel, but Israel's going to win. Come on, hallelujah. Because they're God's chosen people. And I'm telling you, I don't care if they come against the church. We are God's chosen people, and we are going to win this battle that we're in today. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. So God used this vision of the valley of dry bones to, to tell Israel, no matter how impossible it may seem, I'll raise up Israel again as a great nation and as a mighty army. I'm here to tell you no matter what happens or how dry our bones may get and how scattered we may become, God is going to bring his church together again in more ways than you could probably understand I think there may come a day when we take down the assembly of God sign and the Baptist sign and the Methodist sign come on and we once again become one united body of Christ come on hallelujah I believe it praise the Lord this Old Testament example tells us that God is a God of the impossibility. Israel was in terrible shape, and he used the most impossible thing to show them. No one wants a revival for this church more than Jesus Christ himself. He wants to revive us. I want us to look at this situation. I thought, Whoever preached to such a bunch as this, and I thought of some of the congregations I preached to, they, they were just as deaf and mixed up and dry. Come on. Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about some I've preached to. And every preacher who's preached a long time has run into this. The answer today is the obedience that God put in their heart. You see... There's a great portion of the people in the church today that's just as mixed up as these dry bones are. They are. Every doctrine from hell has been preached from the pulpits today. Doctrines from if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell, and then you can do this, but you won't go to hell. And both of them can be wrong. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But because we're saved, we have works. And that's what we're going to be rewarded with. People are mixed up about salvation. They're mixed up about the Holy Spirit baptism. I've heard preachers say, well, the Holy Spirit baptism ended after the first church. Really? Really? I'll tell you what you do. Go buy you a new car and fill it up with gas and drive it and see if you don't going to need a new refill every once in a while to keep going. Come on. What the church needed to begin with, we need it more today at the ending. Amen. Amen. 
People get mixed up and confused on Bible doctrines. That's a doctrine for everything today. We get mixed up about the purpose of the church. What is the purpose of the church? Well, Brother Lanford, we get to come to church. We get fellowship one with another. We get to hear wonderful singing. It makes you feel so good and you feel lifted up. That's part of it. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to win souls for Jesus Christ. Amen. To win the loss. As Jesus told his disciples when they were coming out of the city of Samaria, I mean Sychar in Samaria, he said, look up. Look at the fields. They're white with harvest already. But he said also, but the labors are few. And that's our problem today. C.M. Ward, one of the great Assembly of God ministers, and I heard him say one time in 1964, he said, if you want to embarrass a congregation, ask them how long has it been since they won a soul to the Lord. And if you want to embarrass them further, ask them how long has it been since they tried. Now ask yourself that question today. How long has it been since you tried? We pray more about our little problems than we do about that soul out there that's going to hell and going to burn in hell forever and ever. Let me tell you, this world's going to pass away. But eternity stands out there and there's people that need you and I to tell them about Jesus and tell them that there's another life to live even on this earth. That's the purpose of the church today. Of course, we can look at it and we see how bad it's getting. And we're all upset about the election. I want to tell you something. The political climate's not running this earth. God is. Amen. Well, the devil may be the God of this world. God is the God of this earth. And he has power over everything. And I have my preferences and they're not even running. But I want to tell you something. Jesus is my king. And I got further news for you. We're not of this world. We're looking for another country a better country whose maker is God himself who Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming again to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Think about it, a world with no politicians. <laughs> Hallelujah. If that was all that we're missing, that'd be wonderful. But you know who's going to be the rulers of this new earth? You and me. You're going to have positions. I wish I had time just to talk about that. But here, Ezekiel was looking at an impossible situation. Looking at it in the natural, we, we would have to tag it impossible. As far as man's concerned, dead, dry, bones, scattered. But God has not called us to do the possible. He's called us to do the impossible. I've told you many times about the young man that I worked with at Pollock Paper Company, and he came in. He, I'd known him since he was just a young boy with me. Grew up with me. Man, he used the worst language I'd ever heard in my life, I thought, because I forgot how I used to talk. We forget that sometimes. And I said one day, there's no way this guy ever gets saved. Well, there was a guy named Billy Joe Stagner. He didn't feel that way, and he won him to God. 
I don't care how bad they look. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care how they're acting or what they're saying or what they've done in the past. They can be saved. You hear me? Jesus can change their life and give them a new life. And it looked impossible here. See, the things that are impossible, men are possible with God. How can we have a soul-saving revival when our loved ones, our neighbors, our fellow workers are so indifferent to the things of God? How can we have a spirit-filled revival when the believer seems so ignorant and indifferent and unconcerned about winning souls? How can we have a revival of the supernatural when the churches contend with the natural? How can we have a revival with all the dead scattered bones in the kingdom of God? First of all, I'm going to tell you it's not us that gives us a revival. It's God that gives us the revival. Do you hear me? The revival comes from him and him alone. That's why the psalmist said, Will thou not revive us again, O Lord, that thy people may rejoice in thee? We can't revive ourselves, but God can revive us, and God wants to revive us, and we just need to let God revive us. But he needs somebody to work through. In this case, it was Ezekiel. But in this revival, it may just be you. I can't tell you how many times I've been in church and I've seen God move on one person and a revival break out. Just one person. When you see that one person been blessed by God and used by God, it puts a hunger in your heart and your soul to be what they are and what God is doing for them. I know you might not understand it if you've never seen it. But I'm telling you, it's real. First thing, he said, the hand of the Lord was up on me and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. See, we must get in the spirit. Allow the spirit of God to move in our lives and obey him. How many times have I heard people say, oh, I felt like giving out a message in tongue, but I just couldn't. How many times I've heard people say, I really felt like going back and praying for some." somebody but I just didn't know how they'd take it you don't need to worry about how people take it you better be worried about how God takes it when he speaks to you you need to obey God well brother Langford I've seen so many people get out of the spirit well, if, you, if you look at that then you're going to be out of the spirit for long I'm going to tell you as I said a while ago the things of God seem foolish to the world and to man but they're not to him. Come on. He didn't approach us on his intellect. Come on. He approached us through his mercy, his grace. It's by him and through him. John 15, 4 and 5 said, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except you abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So it's through him. Psalms 127 and 1, it says, Except the Lord build the house, they that labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh in vain. Going on, we read where he carried them out in the spirit carried Ezekiel out in the spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, thus saith the Lord. Recently, I heard a preacher preach, and I'd heard him preach many times. And he would do such a wonderful job. He, he preached in the spirit. A couple of years ago, he decided he wanted to get him a doctor's degree. There's nothing wrong with getting a doctor's degree if you don't let it affect you. But I heard him preach recently, and it was all about techniques. 
and who we should reach and how we should reach the millennials. And I'll tell you how we reach the millennials. First thing, we quit dividing ourselves. Come on. We're one. But I'll tell you how you reach them. You reach them with the Spirit of God like God has met every generation. Peter and John were ignorant and unlearned men, but they were Holy Ghost filled, and that's what it takes. Come on. To be filled with the Spirit of God. Have the Spirit of God working in your life. He'll tell you what to say when it's time to say something. I left disappointed. Man, he might even have a talk about it. I don't know. The Lord lets me know it's in my business. Now, where did he set Ezekiel down at? He didn't set him down at the throne of God. He didn't put him on the streets of gold. He didn't put him where everything we think we need to go to. But he set him down right in the middle of the problem. And if you don't get in the middle of it, you can never change it or help it. He set him in the middle of the valley of dry bones. Not away from the problem, not away from the situation, but right in the middle of it. God put him there. See, sometimes we think revival is away from our problem. If we can get away from our problem or our situation or our challenge, if we can get away from that, then revival will be there. But that's not the way it works. We get a revival in our heart and soul where we can handle these things that comes our way. We can handle our problems. We can handle our trials. We can handle our situation. We can handle our family problems. It takes the Spirit of God. It takes the supernatural. I heard, I, I like what I heard of. I heard a black preacher preaching one day. He really did bless my heart and soul. And I won't get involved with all he said, but he said something that really just stayed with me. It's been eight or ten years ago. He said, you know, we're always talking about a miracle of healing. He said, well, there can't be no healing unless there's a sickness. Hello? Somehow we want the miracle of healing without having the problem that goes along with it. Amen? God is a healer. I said God is a healer. I've seen God heal many people. I can sit here and take the next 25 or 30 minutes and tell you the miracles I've saw God do. But I'm going to tell you, that's in the past. We need to bring it up into the present. We need to drive fear out of our heart, drive doubt out of our heart, move on belief and start believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. He is our God. He loves you. He cares for you. Quit listening to the devil. Hello? The devil will bring up every sin you've ever committed. I don't know how he can keep up with all of mine, but he did. He keeps up with yours. And by the time God's going to bless you, he'll start reminding you of your failures. Well, we are failures. But he's not a failure. He came into this world and he gave his life. He shed his blood. He sent back his Holy Spirit in our lives that we may be overcomers in all things this day. Oh, hallelujah. Can't be no miracles unless there's a need for a miracle. If you want a revival, then you must see the need of a revival. Oh, we sing about them opening the prison doors and we talk about Paul and Silas being in prison and all that. Oh, ain't that wonderful? But but nobody don't want to go to prison. Hello? Can I say something? I hope you understand it. 
Let's quit rejoicing about the things of the past. And let's start rejoicing about things we're going to believe God to do now in this generation. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter that Peter and John and all of them was was, uh, delivered from so many things. Every one of them, but John died a martyr for Jesus Christ. Did you understand that? Peter said, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord when he was going to crucify. Crucify me head downward. Come on. We're going to suffer persecution in this life. We're going to face trials in the life. But we have a God that knows how to keep us in those times. Hallelujah. He asked him a question. Son of man, can these bones live? Can the dead live again? Can the sick be made whole? Can our homes be restored back? Man, I look at the generation I was brought up in, and I see how things are today. And I think, thank you, Jesus, that I'll come through the generation that I come through. I see things today that never would even been a thought in my generation. And I know that you can't help what generation you're born in. But I'll tell you one thing you can help. You can help if it affects you or not. And that there is a way out and his name is Jesus Christ. Can your loved ones be saved? We don't know. But God knows. Hello? Ezekiel said, O Lord God, thy knowest when he asked him the question. And I really, I respect his answer. He didn't say, he said exactly how he felt. And that's the way we need to come to God. We don't need no pretense in our lives. We don't need to act like we're something that we're not. We just need to come to him as we are. He knows how we are. He knows our weakness. He knows our trials. What Ezekiel was saying, I don't know, but you know, Lord. I'll tell you, when we get to the place that we can say, God, I don't know, but you do. Because one thing that hinders us so many times, we think we know everything. Hello. How do we think? Well, some preachers told us that. I'm going to tell you, the biggest problem in churches is not congregation, it's preachers. Hello. And what they're preaching. I'll tell you right now, don't you believe nothing that I say if it's not true. You believe the truth and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free, the Bible tells us. Ezekiel 37, 4 through 7, I'm repeating this. And again, he said, prophesy unto these bones and say unto thee dry bone, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will call breath to enter into you and ye shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know, listen, you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and, I, and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone. We need to get in place. I hear people sometimes talking about boy I wish I was a pastor like you. I'll tell you something. It's more than being a pastor and standing behind a pulpit. But you know what you need to be? It's whatever God called you to be. Whatever he said for you to be. In this right here, I've read to you, the most important ingredient for revival is the word of the Lord. What God's word says. Not only the preaching of the word, but the hearing of the word. 
I know a lot is said about what preachers preach, and I feel sorry for them because I'm going to tell you some of them going to burn in hell if they don't change their ways. And that's another subject people don't like, but it's a reality. I'm going to tell you, you're going to live for God and go to heaven or you're going to not live for him and you're going to burn in hell forever. I'm just letting that sink a little bit. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't want to go to hell. I made up my mind a long time ago, I am not going to hell. By the grace of God, I am going to heaven. Hallelujah. I am going to go to heaven. Whatever he says to me to do, I'm going to do it by his grace and by his mercy. But the problem is not necessarily the preaching, but it's the hearing of the word. Not only are we to hear the word, but we're to do the word. Do what the word says do. false doctrine been preached well how do I know what to do get your Bible out and read it well I don't like the King James well I don't like the NIV but they both tell us how to go to heaven (laughs) hallelujah and tell us how to live right come on don't go off mad because I said something about your Bible because I want to tell you there's a nothing ever translation that teaches us how we are to live for God and what we need to do. So there's really not a famine for the preaching of the word, but the hearing of the word. Yes. Yeah, let me turn a page. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied. There was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and bones came together, bone to his bone. You know, a lot of people have, like to have a revival if it's a quiet one, but it don't exist. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Come, I can't sing. Everybody in my family can sing. And I said a hundred times, they got it from me because I ain't got none left, Okay. I really got it from my wife's side. But I'll sing. I'll sing anyway. By the time it reaches heaven, every note is right. Come on. It's in tune. Hallelujah. Because it comes from our heart. It comes from our heart. We need to make that joyful noise. You can't have a quiet revival. You're going to see things you you won't understand, but you know they're real. I've seen people fall out in the park. I saw my wife fall out one time. There's a concrete floor in her head, hitting it sounded like a rifle going off. Didn't hurt her. Didn't have a cut. Didn't have a knot. Come on. I don't know, maybe the Lord's trying to shake it up inside where it'd be more like me. I don't know. Just joking. There's one thing about a revival. It'll be noisy. Things will begin to come together things will begin to happen. But listen, we can't mistake commotion with creation or action with unction. We can't mistake rattling for revival. There's more to revival than than a commotion or a noise, though you have it. There's more to it than that. They're life-changing experiences in the hearts of people. Ezekiel knew that a skeleton is no good. The bones had come together. There was a rattling. There was a shaking. Come on. But that wasn't at all to it. A skeleton is no good. Do you hear me? 
So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and bones came together, bone to his bone. But something else happened. But when I beheld, lo, sinews and flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. And he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say it to the wind. Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds and, and, and O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath came into them, and they live, and they stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army. Let's look at the beginning. Dead bones scattered everywhere. That's what our life really is like before Jesus gets in it. We just scattered. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're going to do. Come on. Oh, we put up that front like we know everything, but reality to you know Jesus, you don't know anything. Let me tell you something. The church is not supposed to be passive. We're militant. We don't mind getting in the king's face and saying, whether it's better to obey you, President Obama, or President whoever, or President Bush, or if it's better to obey God, you judge. But we can only speak those things which we have heard and we have seen. Come on. Brother, I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot. And I don't worry about them coming and killing me. Let them kill me. I'm serious. You think I'm talking crazy, but I don't. I think one of the most honorable things in the world that could happen to you would be to die for Jesus Christ. In fact, if you read your Bible closely, there's a special uh, a reward for those who died for Christ. Read it. It's in the book of Revelation. I ain't going to tell you where because I want you to read the whole book. God will give you the understanding. Revival will call us to rejoice. It, call, it causes us to do a lot of things. It puts love back in our hearts. Love for God. How much do we love him? Really and truly, how much do we love him? Well, do we love him with our soul, our body, our strength, our mind? Do we really love him that much? Or do we just set aside a little bit to love him? If there's a problem in the church world today, if there's a problem in our spiritual life today, it comes from one thing, the lack of love for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what he said. We've got to love souls. Revival calls us to worship him in spirit and truth again. Not because the song sounds good. Come on. Because we love him. And those words in that song mean something. I fly away. The world would say, you're crazy. No, we're not crazy. One day we're going to fly away. One of these days the trumpet's going to sound and the voice of the archangel is going to say, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Come on. Hallelujah. It may be in a church service and we'll walk out. See, I, don't, I know it's going to be in a moment, twinkling of eye when it all happens, but I'm telling you, the Bible also tells us we're going to be foretold when it's coming. There's going to be a lot of people that's going to try to make it right in those few minutes or 30 minutes or everything. But you know, when they come back, it's going to be gone. When they get the oil back in their, in their vessels, it's going to be gone. He's going to have his church with him. Yes. Can you imagine what that would be like? Goodbye, world, goodbye. All the problems and the trials and the heartaches and all these things that we face. They're gone. They're gone. Do you hear me? 
Sister McVeigh's just going to get out of that wheelchair and go on up to be with the Lord, and she's going to run up and down them streets of gold for about a thousand years. Hello? And I'm believing she's going to do it before she gets to heaven. Brother Jackie, they've told him he had cancer. But I want to tell you, my Bible tells me he's our healer. You know what Jesus did more than he did anything else? Healed people. More than anything else, he healed people. He's a healer. Used to be an old song we sang, Healer in the House. Today, I said today. He's here today to do what we want him to do to help us to be better Christians for him. I want to thank you for putting up with this long wind today, but I'll tell you, I didn't even preach half of it. The most important, it is most important reason to have a revival is that we can win the loss for Jesus Christ. If Clarence Roper can run a revival in three months, over 300 people get saved. We could have 100 people easily get saved in this revival. Where are you going to put them? I ain't worried about where to put them. I'm worried about getting them. Come on. We can have three services. I don't care. But I want to tell you, we need a revival. We need to get out of the norm. Come on. How many of you have ever been in a Jericho march? Huh? Raise your hand. You've been in a Jericho march. What's a Jericho march? That's when you just march around the church. That's so silly. Really? That's what he told them to do to walk around the walls of Jericho, and they fell. Let me tell you something. God don't approach us on our intellect. He approaches us on our spirit and within our spirit. Sometimes he asks us to do strange things to see how obedient we'll be to him. And do we love him like we say that we love him? Sometimes he tells you to go pray for people. Listen, it's not out of order to get up and go pray for somebody during church. I don't care when it is, okay? If God said it, do it. Because I have seen when that happened that the whole church erupts in a move of God's Holy Spirit. Well, you're going to have them, you know, forget about them. Hello, you're going to find critics everywhere you go. I think one thing that's hindered the move of God's spirit more than anything is people, when God's spirit moved, would find fault, hello, with the move of God's spirit. I tell you, I've reached a place. I don't care what people think about me. I do not. I want them to love me and I love them. But when it comes between me and God, God's going to win every time. That's what it needs to be. Stand with me, if you will. And I did quit before 12 o'clock. What I want to ask us to do, and we're not heard for our much speech. I mean, you know, I know people's prayed for hours about things, and they might have that many things to pray for. But it ain't because of much speech. Jesus plainly tells us that. But I want to tell you, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of praying with faith will move mountains. It'll bring souls to God. And if you will, I'm just going to ask you to come up. And for a few minutes, and it'd be all right if you want to join hands. We used to do that. Showing that we're united that we're coming as one. And I want us to pray 
for God to give us revival. And pray like this, God, give us revival and let it start in me. Hello. Because it's going to start with somebody. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Unitedly, let us pray that God will send a revival that will touch this community. That will move in every church. I done talked to one pastor. They're going to come, son. They're going to have a revival in November, and we're going to go help them. That's what it's all about. Helping one another. Being one in Jesus Christ.